Welcome back, everyone, to the next edition of the SEC Podcast. I am your current commissioner and host, Kirk Swanner. Joining me today, we got Mr. Nicholas Lane with FIU. Nick, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, just in the run up here to the summit, I just want to get as much feedback from a wide range of folks. Uh, uh, I'm really interested to hear to talk to you. Um, we've had a few conversations throughout the year. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So just quick background. Uh, how long have you been playing? How'd you get into it? What made you want to be the president? Oh, okay. So um, I've been playing since about eight years old in the Bahamas. I mean, I grew up playing. I grew up around rugby. My dad played in England and then in the Bahamas as well. So I kind of like grew up around rugby my whole life. And then there's not that good of a youth program in the Bahamas. So I started playing with the men's team when I was 14. And yeah, that kind of led me to FIU. I came here two years ago. Um, I became an offer, officer earlier this year. And then I realized I kind of wanted a little more. So I just took over the president position. <laughs> So do you step up because, like, you see a lack of, like, you know, think it could be done better? Or is it, like, did you actively want to pursue something to help with the resume or, yeah, like, what all? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a lack by our last president. I just wanted to – I just had some ideas and wanted to change a few things. Great. And be in a position where I could help control more things. Yeah. I mean, anytime people step up to the plate, it's always fantastic. So, um, yeah, man, want to get your feedback. So any thoughts in particular about this past year programming wise, always keen for feedback? Um, no, I think this year went pretty good. I mean, one thing I would say is the travel for us. I mean, we started off with back-to-back games to Tallahassee and Jacksonville. Yeah. So that was pretty tough on us, especially since we're a program. Our funding isn't that great from the school. So they actually don't pay for our travel at all. They're not allowed for some reason. So all that money for those buses has to come out of the players' pockets, basically, as donations. What are you guys charging dues? Um, well, we're not allowed to charge dues to FIU students. Right. Um, so everything's just basically donation-based. We can't. We can't force a player to pay us, basically. So, no, I, yeah, there are other schools in the conference that quote unquote can't charge dues. Uh, I was talking about this Evan. I believe Evan, it's, there is a workaround for it, right? So, I think it's like with one of the soccer clubs, it might be UCF or something like that, they can't charge dues either. And what they do is everyone's on the team, right? But when it comes to traveling, there's a travel squad. And yeah. then there, there's like a travel fee. So if you oh, want to be on yeah. the travel team, you have to pay. But everyone's everyone's welcome on the team. And so that's kind of like a workaround you can get for dues. Yeah, that's kind of the route we have to take sometimes. We're like, we basically tell players if they want to come in the bus, they have to contribute mm-hmm. in that sense. So I, th- I think there's a way to maybe more officially formalize it like hey everyone's welcome on the team you know when we have our games at home you know we'll work to get two teams or blah 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 but you know when we go on the road you know these are our road games you know this is the travel team you know the travel team's going to be selected we're not taking everyone and it'd be on the travel team this is the call you know and there might be a way to formalize that so you can get around it and charge dues yeah that's definitely something we'll need to look into with FIU are you done after this year uh no I'm here next year Okay. And I might do my master's after that, so I'm not sure where I'll be. 
Keep it going. Keep the ball rolling, Nick. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I actually uh, haven't used any of my eligibility yet because of COVID, and then I was out this season with injury. So, okay, yeah. So the um, I hear you. The yes, the schedule that was a screw up on my part. I'll take that one on the chin. You guys will have a much more advantageous schedule next year because <laughs> you're getting the reverse. Appreciate so, that. Um, yeah, you'll maybe one trip to Gainesville, and that's you yeah, know. that's doable. Uh, all right, yes, schedule. Take that one on the chin. Much noted. What else you got? Um, personally, I would like to see a couple more out-of-state games. Like, I love the whole playing in the conference and playing against the same teams over and over. And, like, back in the Bahamas, there's only four men's teams. So it's kind of the same thing where you're constantly playing mm-hmm. the same guys. You, They're a competitive game in, in that sense. But I'd definitely like to see some out-of-state games scheduled. I like the idea of the bowl games people have been talking about. Yep. I think that's a great idea to encourage more out-of-state play because we want to see how Florida stacks up against other teams. So when you say out-of-state, do you mean like teams in Florida going out-of-state or do you mean trying to get out-of-state folks into Florida? Like what do you mean more in particular? Both. I think in a sense, like especially for us, what we spend – if we did a South and a North conference sort of thing during the Mm -hmm. season Mm – our club would have more money to maybe play in out of one or two out of state games mm-hmm. at the end of the season or in the preseason or whenever. And yeah. then once we start playing out of state games and building those relationships with other teams, maybe beating a few teams, teams will want to come down to Florida and do the same, you know? Yeah. I've been meaning to email the other conference commissioners, you know, just send a couple of emails out to commissioners and say, Hey, anybody want to come to Florida for a spring break? Like, no, yeah, exactly. Let us, Perfect let place. us know. We'll, uh, we'll, and if people tell me stuff like this, like I'll build it in the sketch. Cause let's go down the scheduling route here for a minute. So, um, can't really do two conferences with seven teams, right? Seven no, teams yeah. is not the best place to be in. Um, if we go up to eight or we go down to six, uh, we can do two conferences, but, um, you know, with seven teams, a single round Robin is the only way to get, um, a balanced schedule because at, somebody's inactive every weekend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it takes you seven weeks to play six games with eight teams. A single round Robin takes you seven weeks. It takes seven weeks, to play seven games. Um, and then if we wanted to get to nine games, we could then add one more, but then it's like unbalanced, right? Because yeah. you, you know, you don't have these con you don't have these conferences where you can balance it within the conference, right? Because then from one conference to the other, they're not the same schedule. But with within the conference, you can kind of make it balanced. So it's it's this question of what do we want to accept as like balanced and fair, right? Because we're, you'll never really get this wonderful single single round robins double round rob you know like that's the best way to make it fair and balanced but at yeah. the moment we start getting away from that like it's there's going to be some unbalancing in there and it that is okay you know i just want to i want people to be very open up front with what they're willing to accept and not accept and then once we go down that path i don't want revisionist history people say oh you know i this is unfair but you know like yeah, so exactly. I want us to openly talk about things up front and then not forget about it down the road. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of a believer that like even though 
if we have a North and a South division, even though one might have three teams or one might have four teams or however it's split, if we go up to eight and maybe the South Conference has stronger teams than the North Conference or vice versa, that the best team will win at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And like, I think if we do the top two teams from each division move on, yeah, okay, a third place team might be better than a second place team in a different division. But at the end of the day, the best team's still going to win in that yeah. sense. Yeah, this is why, to me, I think the right number of games to play is, is has to be like six is too little in a regular season. I'd prefer if it was eight, you know, to me, eight yeah. in regular season is like a good one. Because if you get four or five, one mess up and you're done, right? And I want a longer season so the cream has a, t- has a chance to rise to the top. So um, in that sense, you could even do it in, a, in sort of like the NFL where you play the teams in your division home and away. Right. And then you can maybe have one or two games against the other teams in the other division. So that's what we did. That's what we did uh, the first two years. The second year was cut short by COVID. But the first year it was a double round. It was we had eight. Right. Uh, So double round, Rob, you know, you played everyone in your in your conference twice and you played everyone in the other conference once. And so it was a 10 game regular season. Yeah, that's a good number of games. But I, I think it's too much. Yeah. To, and so you're burnt out by the end. Well, it's just, a, you know, so now let's look at this at the semester, because what I don't want is that we're not doing a split season. We're not going to play a couple of games in the fall and then the rest of the not happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. All in one. So now, you know, so the semester is what, 16 weeks long. So, yeah, so. You, you're not going to play the weekend before finals. You're not going to play the first weekend. So now we're down to 14. You take out spring break. Now we're down to 13 weeks. Um, if you play the, fr- and that's playing the first weekend of spring break. If you take out the second weekend of spring, the, you take out both weekends of spring break. Now you're down to uh, 12, right? And then the school's schedules never match up, right? Some schools always gonna be one week behind. So that's from 15, from 16, you're already down to 15 because of the overlap is not accurate. And then you got to take a look. So now you're literally like have 11 weekends of possibly playing rugby and we're going to fucking pack every single weekend, you know, like there's no time off. So, yeah, I can see that. I think personally, I think uh, a seven game regular season would be like, yeah, seven, eight. Yeah. With the two. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason we did the, everyone goes to the playoffs, which is not great. Right. It's almost like this participation trophy yeah yeah i don't i don't i'm not a fan of that really the reason i did it is that it got us to seven games right the majority everyone played seven games some people played eight ucf played nine you know like and i think seven games was was about the right number but again i wish we'd be more uh there is talks about potentially bringing up another team so then we can do potentially just a single round robin seven games and then you know top four move on that's it yeah that's that would be my preference for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the 15. So I, I hear you. Um, what I need to do is just email all the conferences and, and just see if I can start ginning up some interest about people wanting to come down to Florida for spring break games, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll build that into the schedule. Um, you might have to play the first weekend of your spring break in doing so, it, you know, but typically what I would do is I would schedule you guys against FAU that weekend or I, or whoever was yeah, closest. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So play that game I mean, on 
play a game on Thursday, you know, like, cause all the, everyone, you know, tr- try to play a game on Saturday of spring break, spring break starts. Good luck. <laughs> you know, but, play, sure. but there's no reason not to play it on a Wednesday night. There's no, no reason definitely. not to play it on a Thursday night. As long as we have enough uh, notice in advance, like if that's something that's in the schedule from the beginning of the season, we could definitely have a field reserve. You're going to have that. this, you're going to have the schedule before you go back to school. All right, that sounds good. You can go in the first day of, of class and say, here's all of my field reservations for the entire year. That'll be perfect. So, uh, okay, let's dig into sevens. I know you got some feedback about sevens. Yes. Um, Ronnie and myself are pretty big uh, sevens fans. So, um, yeah. But in general, I think that the one sevens tournament is not ideal by any uh, means. I'm with I, you. I, I think it should be a three, at least a three um, tournament ordeal in the fall with some sort of tournament at the end of the season to help whatever team qualifies for nationals um, put out a competitive team. Because right now, let's say for U.S. sake, they won the tournament in September. They then focused all year on 15s. And now they have a couple weeks before nationals to go put out a competitive side and I mean I'm not sure how their practices are but I know for sevens is a game where a lot of guys need the experience and that's where you build from most and I, I just don't think that helps the FCC conference portray a good team in nationals in that sense if that makes sense I, I feel like you. as a conference it should be our job to give them get them most prepared as possible I I, I hear you uh, so what about teams like Life and Cal? You know, they play spring rugby. You know, Life, Cal played this past weekend. They'll be playing at Sevens. I'm pretty certain they're playing at Sevens Nationals. I know Life is for sure. I'm not sure about Cal. Um, and they're going to be in a strong chance to win it. So, like, doesn't that kind of push back against your argument? Yeah, in a sense. But at the same time, the the money those um, I, I programs want, have and the players they have yeah are a comp- like those players have their sevens team has definitely played sevens their entire life probably probably not and actually it, let's see i i i'm not sure about that one but i will yes like the caliber of players they are getting in are going to be higher caliber players and more experienced players you know they're not teaching the game new to everyone you know so no yeah I, and i'm I sure they're they're um, gathering as a team way more often where in the 15th season, if they wanted to, they could have some focus on sevens. I am pretty certain Jack Clark, when they talk, uh, when he, when he does his programming, they, he does not do sevens in the middle of 15s. They go straight 15s all the way through and then they'll transition the, I don't know, 18 or so kids, 15 kids that they need for sevens immediately after 15s is over. They don't. How, how, how often are they training for 15, um, for sevens? Do you think after the 15 season? Uh, I, I'll ask some questions. I'll try to find out. I mean, but like Cal, you know, they play seven. They do like our, our schedule in Florida is lined up with California's schedule. California, they play sevens in the fall time and then they play. 15s in the springtime and then and then and then they go and transition into the sevens championship uh, the sevens nationals there at the end of the season that they're in the exact same boat we are 
So yeah. I, I'll ask around, you know, like UCLA has got a really strong sevens program. Uh, some of their coaches are with the Giltinis. Um, Dave Clancy was a former coach at UCLA. He's now the academy coach. Uh, I've seen him around a bunch of times. I saw him this past weekend at so- SoCal uh, Championships. I had a ch- chat with him. So I'll, I'll ask questions about how some of these California programs do their programming for sevens. But I don't think my, – my general perception is that people think other people have it better when I bet you they have it just about the same. Yeah. So – one, the one sevens tournament this year was not enough. I will agree there. No questions asked. You look, I even said that to Ronnie in January. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we also didn't know when we played back in September, we didn't know the winner was going to go automatically to two championship events. That was not yeah, that's- in the cards. If we knew that going in, the programming would have been much different for sevens. So the history of how sevens has been treated since we started the FCC five years ago, right? When we first came in, my chat to the teams was do your sevens in the beginning of the fall, do it first up, run just high performance sevens. This way, when you start up your program, you only need the smallest amount of people likely going to be all your experienced players and you run the shit, you know, do that. And then in the meantime, you just have your tight five recruit the crap out of anyone possible. So you do your sevens and then you do your 15s preseason after sevens. And then once you start that, you know, now you're probably four or five weeks into school, a shit ton of recruiting. And that way, when your first 15s practice happens, you'll have the biggest amount of people possible. So that was my original chatter. I got pushback from a couple of coaches saying that they like to use sevens as club development, right? You teach the basics of passing and open field decision-making, blah, 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 in sevens. So it's a good club development tool. So I said, okay, we'll go down this track, right? Now when we do oh, sevens yeah. tournaments, now we're encouraging second sides in Clydesdales, and blah, blah, blah. That didn't work out, right? And so now my... And so I'll give you some more history. I have ran a three tournament series, seven series in Florida previously. Yeah. Uh, It did not work well. And the reason it didn't work well is that people weren't willing to invest that much of the schedule time into sevens. I wanted to run a three tournament series where over the course of five weeks, right? You play the first weekend, you get a break, you play this third weekend, your break on the fourth, you play the fifth weekend. So, but nobody was willing to spend five weeks of the schedule on sevens. And so then then it got condensed. You go ahead. If if teams aren't willing to do that, I don't think that those teams should be the ones like traveling to nationals. Like you can't represent a conference if you're not willing to dedicate five weeks to sevens, because I mean, sevens is a completely different game than 15s. I'm with you, but this is the, this, unfortunately, this is a democracy within this conference. You know, we have to have some sort of consensus, you know, we got, and this is, you know, in democracy, you'll never have people all agree. So, oh yeah. Uh, So then what happened with that three tournament series, it was, it was three tournaments in three weeks and that was awful. So, and then the other thing we came to realize was that, which that was tough. And basically if you didn't win the first one, 
it was based in, and in that three tournament series is basically like the same two, three teams in the running the whole time. And so that was like three in the running and five were like done by midway through the second tournament. And yeah. so then we're like, okay, we'll try to do a two tournament series. But then with the two tournament series, it was like, if you're not, if you didn't win the first or in the final in the first, you're basically knocked out of it. And so then it was just like, okay, we're, really we need to do a winner take all one tournament winner take all, but we need to have a warm up tournament. And so like, I, like, I think the best way that we can, you know, cause it was interesting when we talked with Ronnie earlier on the podcast, I think back in January, he mentioned that he thinks he had better retention this year because they didn't really do sevens at in that much in the beginning. Cause seven, you know, sevens is a tougher game mentally to play no yeah ronnie sevens practices will definitely break people (laughs) that's that's when you know if they're gonna stick around or not yeah but you know like that's doing a disservice to the 15s right because you know like 15s is a game of all shape is a game for all shapes and sizes sevens is only a game of all shapes and sizes if you're playing the same shapes and sizes you know like sevens is a game of excess space and so you have to be able to uh it's anaerobically very stressful, which makes it a much more tougher game. to. It's not a complicated game. It's a tougher game to play than 15s. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, to build off what you were saying about teams giving up after certain tournaments and having to use the one tournament, I think there should be more that teams should be able to get out of the sevens circuit, if we do one, um, mm-hmm. than just nationals. Like, there's no reason that we couldn't put together a 15-man squad, like an FCC select squad to play, I mean, in different tournaments, especially like Tropical Sevens, for example. I'm with you. I, I we like could, you. Yeah. And then if you're looking at what, the, what USA Rugby is recruiting for their national, the national, 17, national Sevens guys, they're looking for guys coming straight out of college, young guys where they can bring mm-hmm. in and de- develop them into the key players for the team. So... Yeah, like the the rep teams, you know, rep team also like yeah. There's the, you know, could we create an FCC select side squad and go play in the New York Sevens the weekend of fucking Thanksgiving? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Could we do that. Could we do Tropical Sevens? Sure. You know, we had to make sure that you know. So if we do Tropical Sevens, when do we have to finish the FCC 15 schedule, right? And then how much time do those guys need? going to, I mean, are, are they, are you guys willing to go into tropical sevens with two training sessions? You know, like- I mean, in a sense they could, they could train like, for example, for stormers, we train every two weeks. We have guys all over Florida on a Sunday. Like mm-hmm. it could be something like that where they just meet once a month, twice a month or something leading up to the tournament, get in four or five training sessions. Yeah. I'm listen, I'm all on board with all that stuff. If, if, if that's what people are willing to do, sure. You know, but I'd, like I was talking with Peter last week, you know, when we're, when we're talking about building a club, we need to be able to we need to build not for one through 15 and we need to build for 16 through 30, you know, like imagine what the yeah. 30th player on your team is willing to accept. And then that's what you need to be doing and not more because the moment you start doing more, the moment you start uh, discouraging those co- those guys from coming around and we need them all. Right. We need the game to get bigger. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, but I mean, but, even from a recruiting standpoint, if we push the sevens so that it has these different opportunities, I mean, it's easy to see the circuit. Um, sevens is an Olympic sport now. Mm-hmm. That might 
help recruiting in a sense where you can tell these guys, look, there's all these pathways with sevens. You just got to dedicate yourself basically. Yeah. Opportunities are more there. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I'm totally on board with any of that stuff. You know, like, again, I, I'm, I don't rule with an iron fist. Uh, so whatever people want, you know, I'm on board with that stuff. So if we want to do an FCC sevens as opposed to 15, we can do that. I don't care. Um, when, you know, my thing, I always harp on administration and club building. The, t- the tough thing about running like a long sevens, like local sevens comp, is that sevens is more expensive for teams to run, right? Like you're, when you're like, just think about renting field space. At any point in time, you only have 14 guys in the park as opposed to 30, right? So with 30, you distribute that cost over more people. So yeah. even just the play per player field cost per minute is higher with sevens. And then with the sevens, like you're traveling longer distances and you're, you know, so that's why. In a sense though, like do, do the college teams in Florida pay for their fields from the school or like personally for FIU, it's just a thing where we request the field. We don't have to pay for the field yeah. in that sense. And then I feel for like travel for us, if we have the buses, we usually rent are only 15 seaters. So if we're doing a 15 scheme, it actually works out to be more expensive for us because we got to get two of them in that sense. So mm-hmm. the cost for players isn't some, some, I wouldn't see it being dramatic different for us. Yeah. No, I, I hear that. I was just saying like, I know that Florida state has to pay. They have hourly rental costs for fields. I, and I'm just saying that oh. like when I, when I was coaching and running sevens is like sevens is a more costly per player program to run than 15s 15s is much more cost effective to run than the sevens so like yeah. I, I, what, I'm, what i'm pushing back on is like the longer sevens local sevens comp you're gonna i think you're gonna run into some pushback just from like a kind of a costing perspective but that's why i think the one tournament is not enough i'm not sure we'll get buy-in for three if i'm not saying no to it you know, like if oh, people yeah. are on board with it, I, fine. I, listen, what, what my one thing I want people to understand is that when it comes to programming, right, where we fit our sevens, where we fit our 15s preseason, where we fit our 15s, like there's almost there's only so much time and we are not going to be able to jam. We're not going to be able to do high performance everything all the time. It's just not no, possible. 100%. That's why, like, I think 15s preseasons that happen in the fall, the purpose of that is to just get the hooks into people so that they come back out. And I think that needs to be like seven weeks max. That That's like the coaching in Florida is good enough that we can be running programs, 15s preseasons for seven weeks. That's it. Four games, four weekends of, you know, three weeks of training, four weeks of like competition. And that's it. Shut it yeah. down. And then, and then, when in the springtime, you need to run two teams. So that way you're, you got your top side and you got your you know, developing, developing side and you're developing those players for the top side this year, but more so for the top side next year. And then if oh, we get yeah, everyone into, into those models, now we've got some like long-term growth going and, and I think it's gonna be better off. So I'm on board with a, if we want to go with a, you know, if we want to invest five weeks of sevens, uh, you know, so then we probably need two weeks of run up and then five. So it's probably seven weeks total, you know, like that's going to push that 
then where do we fit it? You know, and then how does the 15th preseason fit? So I want us to be very clear that we're not going to be able to fit everything in. We need to pick and choose what it is we want to do. So yeah, that's, no, that's, that's why I'm on actually on board with a two tournament series. You know, like we run our sevens at all Florida day. It's, which is like the week, I think it's the weekend before Thanksgiving. They're going to try to move it to that, I think, or the weekend before that. And it could be a one day or a two day tournament. Like if we want to run really high performance, let's go two days. Yeah, everyone, I like the two days. Everyone Definitely. understands and we rent, you know, we rent uh, hotels or if we want to like go big and get a huge like how Airbnb house that everyone fucking shares, whatever, you know, um, but then we do so that we all at all Florida day, we do a two day tournament. I'm on board with that. And then two weeks before that, we run a North and a South at the same time. And that's just a warm up. You come and that's it. I mean, I, I know it's not ideal, but I don't think we have the money in the programs to be running ideal conditions, right? Like, so what we need to be doing is focusing on development gro club growth so that we can then get larger alumni bases to then, tax those alumni bases so that then we can then pay for ideal conditions in 15, 20 years or five years or whatever, you know? Yeah. I think we need to be investing for the future. That's my personal opinion, but I, I could be swayed. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree in a sense, but for, it's hard to um, commit guys for a long-term goal so like that, because guys are only in school yeah. for, a certain amount of time you know what i mean i yeah i i understand that it is much easier to sell instant gratification than it is like these deferred uh delayed gratification stuff uh, yeah it's human nature i'm with you yeah. and 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 my point is that we don't need to be selling everyone on that concept but what we do need to be doing is like this you know this is where we talk about messaging right the messaging that we say to the players is Hey, this is what we got, you know, like, and we're going to do the best set, you know, like we can, we can message things to the masses, quote, you know, for lack of a better term differently than like the folks in the driver's seat in the decision-making seat, understanding like what it is that we're trying to do in the long term. Like we can, I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Does that that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, anything else down the sevens anymore? No, I mean, I mean, I'm pretty much <laughs> covered everything. All right, no more kicking a dead horse. All right, uh, anything? What else? What else? So, uh, give me other, give me other frustrations. I really, I really appreciate the feedback, Nick. No, no problem. Uh, another frustration. It wasn't so much throughout the entire season, but there were times during the season where it was frustration towards the referees. Mm. <laughs> to necessarily Partic say that the particular, referees, particularly in the playoffs. Yes, particularly in the playoffs, particularly in the semifinals. Um, not to say necessarily that the referee caused by any means the outcome of that game, but um, there were moments in that game where it seemed that that ref was not qualified to be represent, um, refereeing college playoffs. And I'm all for developing referees, getting referees, and to develop referees to ref FCC um, play, you need to get them experience in games. I'm all for that regular season's the time for that. All right. I well, feel I, like I, I, I am on, I, I understand. Um, so let's, 
talk maybe some particulars about like one i don't like complaining about refs like yeah me neither that's why i was hesitant to bring it up but it needs to be said <laughs> right so one i i think the overall general gripe that the college clubs are going to have is that we felt like we weren't being supported by the referee society by the assignments we got in the knockout games is that like yeah yeah i feel like i know i know there were state finals games going on on that same day as our semifinals but i don't know i don't know how that worked with assigning the referees in that sense yeah like you know so the the point you brought up earlier about referees during the regular season like yes like <laughs> referees are you know so one refs are like necessary for the game so we need to be doing yeah. you know at the club at the clubs we need to be doing a better job of creating an environment that is welcoming for referees like florida yeah. florida loses refs all the time right I referee in Southern California. So the Southern California referee pool is so much younger than the Florida pool. And I don't understand why I would assume it has something to do with the ecosystem, the environment in which rugby happens in Florida. That's what I'm hanging my hat on at the moment for it. Does that make sense? And so yeah, I would say in general, one of the things that we don't, one of the things that, I mean, I, I got pinned, I, I got sanctioned for a, referee abuse uh back in 2012 i got a one game sanction it was a big old brah blew up in my face um but yeah no like i well deserved i should i, I well deserved i'm not fighting it i deserved it um and i learned a lot from it and so my gripes when it comes to the refs which they roy is doing a lot better job at is that Back then, I didn't have an opportunity. I didn't have an outlet as a coach to be able to voice frustration or get clarification on clarification. calls. Roy yeah. does encourage coaches to reach out to him for clarification on calls. Right when a bad call happens in a game, we're never going to get the game changed. That that's you know don't ever, we don't even want to think about that. But as coaches, you know we want to be able and as administrators, we want to like teach people the game accurately and so we can get you know roy has encouraged people to contact him for clarification on calls uh so we should be using utilizing that avenue more i think you know just so yeah. that we 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 get clarification for ourselves and then um when it comes to like so i think we need to be doing a better job at creating environments that are welcoming for refs so one part of it is that when a bat when a call happens shut up deal with it deal with it later deal with it with roy later by getting clarification and that's why we need to be videoing games because if you don't video the game there's nothing to go back on right and so videoing games is an administrative um task that we need to be better at at the club does that make sense so yeah. we need to do better first before we start looking outwardly but um did you guys sent me a text message saying that your school administrator heard about the game. Can you, can you clarify that more? Were you on a, yeah, you know, um, I actually wasn't at that practice. I missed that practice, but 
Um, in summary, our, our, the guy we work with at FIU, who's in charge of all the sports clubs, was contacted by the referee, I mean, by the rec at UCF. His, counterpart, his and, UCF counterpart. Yeah, basically, who explained to him the ref situation and that it wasn't up to standard for a college semifinal match. And that's coming from the school that actually <laughs> won the game yeah. in that sense. So his, his concern was that he's only seeing the money we're paying to the, he's seeing the money we're paying to the FCC for and, play. And this is your, the, when you talk about the, he and the money, you're talking about the FIU administrator. Yeah. The FIU administrator. Yeah. Okay. He so, came to us basically saying, yeah, what are we paying all this money for when we can't even get in the playoffs matches? We can't even get refs up to standard in, in that sense. And so, Great. What? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play pushback as a referee here now. What gives the UCF guy the right to the ability to say what is a good or bad ref? That, that's what I'm not sure of. I don't know if there was complaints by the team up there or the coaches, uh-huh. but um, during that game there were quite a few calls that were changed <laughs> because of input from the sidelines which is, I don't know if that's showed them, like there are instances where rules have maybe been changed. Um, Opposing teams, coaches are telling the refs the rules change. He's changing his calls mid game. Like from my sense, when I look at refereeing and what I want from referees, if whatever you're gonna call, just call it equally on both sides. Like call what you're gonna call, don't listen to the sideline. If it's wrong, it's wrong. At least you're calling it for both teams. Right. In that sense. So what you want is consistency. Exactly. A hundred percent. But like when a referee is like consistently inconsistent, he's consistent. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. But no, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Like when a referee is always inconsistent, he's being consistent. So just, uh, and like as a ref, right. Well, I, I'm not sure what how they teach it in Florida. What I was told was um, 20 penalties. You get 20 penalties, manage your way out of the rest. That's what the MLR wants to see is 20 penalties in a match. So if you have any aspirations moving up, there you go. If not, just manage your way. So yeah. um, as refs, though, like you, you have a picture, you know, like you're seeing a picture, right? So players can help the referees by painting better pictures for refs. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, and and don't like go do something and then complain to the ref. Like, don't shut up. But like you, we can paint better pictures, right? We can have better entry points into rucks. We can have better body position. You know, we can do things that can help paint the better picture. And so like, I would say one clubs probably need to be better about painting better pictures for refs or uh, take the referee out of the game. Like, don't put him in a position to make a call, you know, just perform better, you know, like, yeah. But even in that sense, like, I think the more the complaints came from simple plays, like not really stuff that'll be like, oh, you can be interpreted one way, interpreted the new way. But it seemed like the refs weren't really up to date with so the it, new law changes almost. I don't know. Like, neither one of us were at the game. It's a lot of hearsay oh, yeah, 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 type yeah. of stuff. So I... No, I, I was at this game. Sorry. I was in that oh. practice. The refs said, um, I was in that practice when the, our rec complained, but I was at this game. Okay. 
right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, what I will say about my interactions with the union is that there wasn't a lot of cooperation happening. You know, like, um, I don't understand how, you know, th so there's a game there at UCF. Like, why do why does UCF want to play their semifinal on campus? Because we need to be playing games on campus to help promote the game, right? Like, exactly. if we're constantly playing off campus, you know, like, when you guys are playing a home game, quote unquote home game off campus, it doesn't help you grow the game on campus as much. So that's why we should be playing more on campus. Now, the fact that there were all those games in Coco. Uh, so all the referees are quote unquote generally in the area. Um, why wasn't uh, a different ref assigned to the game there in UCF or, you know, my point is that there probably could have been more cooperation and more, um, working, um, on multiple sides here, but that didn't take place. So, yeah. Or at least like an AR at the game with them in that sense. Like it's frustrating when it's a semifinal matches and I... players from teams are running touch basically. No, I hear you. I also understand, though, that there was a bunch of finals happening there. At yeah. So if there's not enough ARs, I, I, I have less of a problem with not enough ARs. I got a bigger problem with the quality of the ref that was assigned, I guess. No, yeah, that's that's what I'm meaning. Like, if you're having a ref who's not really used to refing FCC games, at least assign them with uh, AR who has some experience. Mm hmm that's yeah. that's where i'm in like in that sense yeah i gotcha so all right let's get off this one anything else you got <laughs> uh no i mean that's pretty much that pretty much covered everything oh yes sorry one thing um our like from the standpoint of our rec going back with the the funding they're giving us to pay the fcc they would like to see more things happening with that money and i guess from a close perspective we would too so that that relationship stays intact. Uh -huh. Like even building off the referee situation, like what if some of that money was like invested to um, help grow new referees in Florida, um, like former players and stuff like that, mm -hmm. or filming the games in those sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say as a, as the seven programs, uh, I think we brought in $11,000 worth of, um, I know I, I like, I hear you. I guess my point is like, what, what, what do we want to do? And, and like, this is also, you know, it's like 35 bucks a player, you know, so the union, the, the club dues, club dues is 35 bucks a player. Right. And so the FCC clubs are the only clubs in Florida that don't pay that $35 when the player registers. And so like, as, cause previously there was like, there was a club registration that we could submit to the university and they will pay. And then there was like, uh, there's the, the FRU transferred from a club registration cost to a per player cost. And so then in order to not transfer that cost onto the players and be able to submit that invoice to the university, we, do some accounting work on the back end to submit invoices to the university. But then like, it's a pain because we have to like, 
project, you know, we give you a, an invoice to submit to the school in August about the total number of people you're going to register that year, that playing year. And so then like yeah. we give you a projection, we have to come back. Well, right, so it's like a thousand bucks, right? Like, so the university is complaining that you guys aren't getting enough value out of a thousand bucks. Yeah, I guess. And that's no, like, the university yeah. goes shut the, <laughs> like it's a thousand, <laughs> like the university's budgets are like so big. What the hell do you want for a thousand dollars? I mean, the budget they allocate to us, that thousand dollars is a very large chunk. I, of yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like how much did you guys get allocated? Uh, 3,000. Okay. Uh, that is about the average that Florida schools get from the school, from the universities. Yeah. So no club is going to get money from their. No, school. yeah, no, no. Um, I, and so yeah, I understand that the school wants more. Like what the hell? I actually don't actually understand that. Like what the, what does the school want for three grand? Like the school, like the campus recreation department will probably wipe their ass with $3,000 and burn it <laughs> with the dumbest shit in the world. Like, what do they want from you? Like, I, no, I find yeah. that. So, so going back to that thousand dollars, that $35 per player, that's something different than the sipping with USA rugby, right? Just to confirm. Uh, so every other person that registers for rugby in Florida, when they register through USA rugby, they're going to pay they're like so the other colleges that play in D4, you know, Eckerd and FGCU, yeah, yeah. They pay they pay their $35 to USA rugby and they pay their $35 to the FRU when they register. So when they register with USA, okay, yeah. they pay they're paying 70. Oh, okay, okay. Now I see I see where that's coming from. So but what we do with the FCC is that we when you register with USA rugby, you only pay the USA rugby cost. We take your FRU cost bundle it into an invoice for you to submit but like schools don't pay per player charges right and so that's oh, why yeah. we have to bundle it as like a lump sum so like te- like and then we, those, that 35 dollars per person goes to the fru which is the fru dues so everyone okay. in florida pays 35 dollars when they register to the union yeah and the, what does the union usually use that money for so there is the FRU budget. You can go take a look at, you know, so the FRU let's, I mean, we'll go through it a bit, but the, you know, the budget, how much do you think the FRU budget is Nick? Uh, probably about 30 grand. Yeah. It's a little more than that, but yeah, it's, I think it's this year is 52. I think what the budget was going to be, um, but they do uh, let's see here. I know that they have to pay for referees travel costs uh, or there's some referee development costs that go in there. There's the referee, de- um, the referee development, referee travel. There's insurance they have to pay for the univer- for themselves. Um, travel newsletter website. They pay for the AGM. They do some coaching certification, college sevens, college summit, Florida cup, referee development, referee match costs, regional championship, state championship, women's camp and then there's also the salary for evan which the fru pays half of evan's salary the florida youth rugby union pays the other half of evan's salary so evan is a part-time employee to the union to the met to the adult union okay yeah 
So, so I guess that's where we need to direct the university to when they come asking where that thousand dollars is going towards. Right. So uh, let's go down the track of paid employee. Have you had this discussion at all? No. Okay. What are your thoughts about a paid employee for the union? Um, I think I honestly don't have a problem with it. I mean, I know a lot of work goes in to running, to successfully running a, a rugby union, wherever that is. So, yeah, I think that position does need to be paid because absolutely 100 percent having part-time workers doing that it's not it's not going to be get work out as good i mean other like other unions don't even have a paid administrator it's all volunteer basis like you oh, just yeah. have you just have a bunch of me's doing all the work like <laughs> i'm not going to do it all <laughs> no yeah exactly um, it's not fair to that person right no like uh i always look you know, when people are like, why are we paying Evan this? We're paying him too much. You know, I actually think the counter argument should be looked at. Like, how do we go from a union with one part-time paid administrator to a union with five full-time employees? What, how, how are we going to make that growth happen? Yeah. You know what exactly, I'm saying? Because when that, when you have more full-time employees, the union will grow in so many different ways. People will Mm-hmm. It'll it'll be way better for the union as a whole. Yeah, people are always like Evan should be going out and getting sponsorships, and I actually think Evan should not be going out and getting sponsorships. The the union needs to hire someone for marketing because no, yeah, marketing is such a low return on investment. You know, like yes, yeah, sometimes you hit a home run. A lot of times you're striking out, and I don't want exactly. to be spending union money, guaranteed union money, striking out. I want to, I want him to be focusing on. Um, compliance, planning, and all that, and, and other things that can help us grow. But um, yeah. No, I right. 100% agree. All right, man. Uh, well, if you don't get anything else, Nick, I appreciate your time. We've been going at this for a while now. So uh, I. Oh, yeah, that's everything. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So keep your eye out on. Um, we're waiting on one club to finish their all conference selections so they can then release the all conference selections. We're hoping to do a first team honorable mention and a freshman team. And then uh, I will be sending out the date on the summit. It will be a Tuesday night. Uh, Definitely at 7.15, maybe at 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And then we got two more podcasts coming up. So got some interesting stuff trying to get lined up. But yeah, I think uh, we got that summit. That's where I want to talk about a whole bunch of stuff that we come to decisions on what we want planning wise for next year. So. No, yeah, definitely. Sounds good. All right, man. Keep your eyes out. And then thanks, Nick, so much for your time. And we will chat All again right, soon. Thank buddy. you. All right, man, All right sounds good. Bye. Bye.